and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at katherineplano.com. And as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers, where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is an amazing stuff available for you only if you sign up to the email list and you can do that by going to katherineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. This week, we have another amazing guest for you, Stacey Flowers. Stacey is a TEDx talk speaker, entrepreneur, and eternal optimist dedicated to helping people create authentic, fulfilled, happy lives. She's been named the next global leader for her generation and listed number one on the top 10 list of female motivational speakers. Known as the mentor in your head because of her refreshing, authentic approach to connect with audiences everywhere, Stacey has a unique ability to educate, empower and inspire audiences worldwide. She believes self-development is the greatest world-changing tool on the planet and everyone can benefit from it. Application is her aim and she leveraged storytelling and scientific research to deliver tangible takeaways long after her keynote is over. Stacey holds a Bachelor in Paralegal Studies from the College of St. Mary and a Master's in Human Resources from Loyal University, Chicago. Her deepest pride and privilege have been raising her 17-year-old son. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, I'm super excited this morning 
or today, depends on where you are at and what part of the world. But we have Stacey Flowers all the way from Chicago. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so honored and excited to be here. Well, I'm super excited and Stacey and I were having a bit of a chat about our beautiful sons before we got onto the show. So we've already connected on a different level, which is beautiful. So Stacey, the way that we always love to start the show is to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story. So please tell us, how did you get to where you are today? Okay. Um, well, my story starts very, very early on when I was a teenager. Um, I was actually a senior in high school, um, just turning 17, and I became a mom. And because I became a mom so early, very early in my life, I had to manage the and. What I like to tell people is the and of life. So I was always a mom and something else. So even with me transitioning into college, I was a mom and a student. I actually got to live on campus with my son in a very unique dormitory program. Um, When I transitioned out of college and I became an entrepreneur, I was a mom and an entrepreneur, a friend, a sister. So I was always sort of for the moment that I became an adult at 18, managing the and. And I think what I figured out in that time period of like having to manage that for so many years is that fulfillment and happiness was about learning how to manage all of the things that you have going on as a woman. And so becoming myself, building a business, raising my son to be an amazing human being. Those are some of my greatest achievements, but they came because so early on in life, I had to just figure out how do I manage being more than just one thing? How do I manage developing myself and parenting um, a human being? And so I, I'm sorry. No, I'm (laughs) just going, wow, how did you do that? Yeah. So the process of figuring that out was self-development. And I think at the time when I was in college, I was just so excited about being in college. I was the first in my family to graduate from high school on both my mother and father's side. So college planning wasn't something that was just looked into and me sort of being the first person to do that in my family. I didn't have a lot of resources or people to rely on to just figure out how to do it. And so I read so many books because I was just trying to get college right. And what I eventually realized is that a lot of the books that I was reading was in the personal growth and self-development space. And I didn't know that that was like an entire niche, but the more I read those things to just do well in college and to figure out how to manage the end, it actually started to have an impact on my life. And I started to be able to, you know, really beat the statistics of me being a teen parent, beat the statistics of me being a first generation college student. And I really just use self-development to shift my life into becoming an entrepreneurial success. Wow. And I love the way that you use the word transition because it is a transition. It's, it is, it is going from one place to the other, but that also it takes time. And I always look at a transition as an internal driver. So even mm-hmm. though you, um, uh, you know, you were a mother at a very young age, you're, you're a student and then you transition into an entrepreneur. What, what was that pivot point for you to go? I'm going to step into my own business now. It was a couple of different things. So because I was a young mom, when I first entered into school, I was super hyper-focused on taking a path that I knew there would be an outcome. So I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I love talking. Lawyers are prestigious and they make money. This will be perfect because I will be able to financially provide for my son. And what happened while I was in college is I was taking all the legal classes and I totally loved them. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. 
Um, but thankfully, I had an advisor who really functioned like a mentor and she would set me up um, for internships and she would also set me up on like job shadows where I got to shadow judges and just all sorts of people within the legal field. And when I would do the internships or when I would do the shadows, I absolutely hated it. Like I hated every single second of it. I was like, because I thought that lawyering was all talking and I object your honor. No, lawyering is much more paperwork than you could possibly imagine. And so when I was like in the like moment of like, okay, this is what you're getting your degree in. This is the plan of what you're going to be. This is how this is going to work. I'm, I'm getting an opportunity to sort of preview what my life is going to look like. And I didn't like it. And so I would always go back to my advisor and be like, yeah, you know, I didn't like that internship. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And because she sort of functioned as a mentor as well, she was just like, okay, well, you know, while you're getting the degree, you know, focus on the degree, you know, finish your internships, et cetera. But while you're doing that, why don't we put some of your other interests to use or some of your other passions and talents? You know, you love talking, you love um, teaching, you love helping people. So why don't we put some of those things to use? And so at my college, we would have capital campaigns and she would be like, well, why don't you just come in and speak from the stage and tell your story? <laughs> and I would always, I'd be like, yes, I'm so excited because I love telling stories. And so she would always just ask me to do it. And I remember the first time I gave a speech at my college. Like that was the first time I got a standing ovation because I would speak and stuff in like church programs as a kid. But I got like this standing ovation and all these people were crying and they were so excited. And I'm like, yeah, you know, what's the big deal? It's just a story. Like I just like telling my story. And my mentor came up to me and she was just like, I knew that you loved like doing these presentations, but I had no idea that this is how much you love talking and this is how you show up when you're speaking from the stage. Like I had no idea you should be a professional speaker. And I was just like, you know, that's not a real job. And I have a son, so I'm not going to be a professional speaker because that's not a thing. And I sort of denied it for the, the last couple of years of college. And then all throughout graduate school, denied it, denied it. And then I was in grad school and I had an internship and um, at the internship, I was working in human resources in the training and development department and training and development gave me the opportunity to speak. It gave me the opportunity to work with people, gave me sort of a stage, not as, you know, obviously as big as just being a speaker, but doing the work of training and development, I was like, okay, this is perfect. This, this connects with my business savvy, my undergrad degree and my interest and passion for speaking. Like this will be perfect for me. And when I was in graduate school, I had an another speaking opportunity show up and um, somebody just asked me to come and sort of speak to young parents. And I went and I delivered a speech and the reaction that I had from the parents in the room, but also the parents of the um, young parents that were in the room, something just sort of shifted. And I was just like, you know, if I can figure out a way to make this whole speaking thing profitable, I will do this for the rest of my life because I know that words are powerful because they transform my life. And I know that I love delivering words and packaging them in stories. If I can figure out how to make a profit, because that was such a concern because I had a kid, I was like, if I can figure out how to make a profit, I will do this for the rest of my life. And so immediately after that speaking engagement, I signed up for a speaking boot camp and I got a coach and, you know, and I just, just sort of like dove into the whole speaker industry and what it means to be a professional speaker. And I've been doing it ever since. And so it's been about um, eight years now, eight years now. And so I made the transition from working in training and development to becoming a full-time speaker and I completely adore it. And now that things are 
you know, there's more internet that's stuff like that's involved. I'm able to add a coaching component to it and an influencing component to it. And it's just, I completely adore it. But I think it was just a matter of my, my mentors pointing me in a direction and me paying attention to where they were pointing me and then me showing up for those moments and paying attention to the feedback. And then I'm a bit of a risk taker in that regard that I jumped right in a huge, big leap of faith. Mm, and I think also for a lot of our entrepreneurs, we talk about this quite often, a great way to expose what you do is through speaking and writing. And although mm-hmm. speaking is up there, one of the scariest things you can do, it's, it's for some people, <laughs> it's scarier than death. Um, yes. So it's actually, um, you know, like you said, getting the right people, the mentor and so forth to uh, help you get to that point. Now, you did a TEDx talk as well. So what was your TEDx talk mm-hmm. about? Would you like to sort of share that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. My TEDx was actually about me talking about um, how to succeed and be happy. And I talk about the five people that you need to associate with because Jim Rome tells us, and a lot of people know this, that you're the average of the five people that you choose to associate with the most. And this was very, very true in my life from every transition that I had to make from where I started in life to where I am right now. I noticed that as my main five people shifted, so did my life. And so I wanted to make that very, very practical because I'm an incredibly practical person. And I wanted to tie in showing people how to actually reach for the success and happiness that they feel like they deserve and desire. And so in the TED Talk, I talk about how you need to connect with your cheerleader and your mentor and your coach and your friend and your peer. And I sort of break down how they influence your ability to be able to chase after and actually maintain the success and happiness that you want once you finally get it. Mm, I love that. I really do love that. Now on your website, I'm uh, Mm -hmm. wanting to unpack a couple of things. So I love because we do talk about this whole self-doubt and so you've got the self-doubt detox and cultivate the confidence Mm -hmm. and I think um, that's a really big one. I think Mm -hmm. a lot, I see this more so in women lacking confidence. Um, I do a lot of corporate work and I see that they second guess themselves. They're always self-doubting and there's a whole lot of other raft of self-esteem and self-worth that comes with that. Did you want to Mm -hmm. talk us through that part, the self-doubt detox? Mm -hmm. Well, I I noticed that when I would either go to do my speaking work or when I would work with my coaching clients or even on the influencing side to some degree, um, one of the biggest barriers to people taking the the leap to do the thing that they feel led to do in their life is self-doubt. It's not. And I think sometimes it initially shows up as lack of support from other people. But when I sort of work with them long enough, we find out that it's sort of just the internal dialogue that they're having about their skill set, their purpose, their passion or the lack of clarity. And so I figured that since so many of my clients, whether they were audience members from speaking engagements or coaching clients, were bumping up against this, that I would put together something to really help them to resolve that. And inside of the program, you know, I initially talk about how self is a normal part of your experience when you're putting in effort to show up like and I think some of the resistance and some of the challenge that people have with self-doubt is that they think that they'll get to some point where they just don't have it and it's just like no you don't get to a point where you don't have self-doubt you get to a point where you have confidence and so when the self-doubt shows up you know how to actually manage it and so 
in the audio program, I offer three mechanics to help you to be able to get through to, to excuse me, not get through, but to help you to be able to accept that self-doubt is a part of the experience that you're going to have and how to sort of transform that into something that you can use, whether it be a career change or a relationship upgrade or anything like that. Like, how do you actually take the emotion of self-doubt and manage it and transform it into the confidence that you'll need to be able to achieve the things that you deserve and desire? And it's it's really quite popular. People really enjoy it. I'm very, very practical. So um, the entire program is a very practical approach to managing it. So if you don't mind me asking, I'm curious because I know mm-hmm. I get, I get, I absolutely agree with you, and I get the whole self doubt is part of your of an of an experience because you I always look at it if you've got self doubt, lean into it and see where that's coming from. So how mm-hmm. do you transform? For, and for our listeners, I'm sure they're sort very curious as well. How would you transform when you are going through a self doubt um, situation, for example, and it could be as well as um, public speaking or mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, starting up your own business, whatever that may be, and then there's this, all the self doubt. How do you work through the self doubt to then find that that confidence to able to be able to push you forward into whatever area you're going to move into? Right. So one of the exercises that I have people do inside of the audio program is to write down um, a time that they've experienced failure, and to write down a time. I mean, just just flat out experience like face plant level failure. And after you write out that time that you experience face plant level failure, then um, write out all of the sort of things that come from that, right? So maybe you failed in a particular career move. And so write out sort of the next three to five things that happened after that failure. And I do that so that that way you can kind of get this perspective on even when things don't seem to work out in the way that you want, or even when things seem to be a complete and total failure and not something that's going to support you in the journey that you want to have that in the way and the nature of life is for things to be able to work out. And so then after that, then you do sort of this journal exercise of being able to sort of take a look at the thing that you're self-doubting. So say, for example, you doubt your ability to be able to be a professional speaker. And so you write down, I doubt my ability to be able to be a professional speaker. Then I have you write out the worst case scenario and very similar to you writing out a past failure that then three to five steps later turned into a positive experience for you. I have you write out your worst case scenario. Like what would happen if you actually failed at this public speaking thing. You show up for an event, you failed. What is the worst case scenario that happens? And what often happens when people go through that exercise is that they realize that the thing that they're imagining is so much worse than the thing that they actually experience in real life. And so that's a part of it. And so you kind of have that information. And then I'm like, okay, now that you know that the thing you're imagining is way worse than the thing that will probably experience in real life. And you have enough evidence to say that even if I fail at this thing, two, three to five paces down the road, it could potentially turn into something good. You sort of have that like running in the back of your mind. And then I'm like, okay, take that particular nugget and then pair that with the nugget of, okay, what is the reason why I doubt? Do I doubt myself because I don't have enough information about what it is that I'm doing? Do I doubt myself because this is the first time I'm doing it? Like, what is the actual reason why you doubt yourself? And then filling in that gap with something, especially right now, since there's so much information that's available, I tell people all the time when it comes to speaking, a lot of people doubt their ability to be able to speak for professionally, not just because they're so nervous and, and they don't think that they can get up and share anything, but it's just because you don't know what you're going to say. Because if somebody, if I like, for example, said, 
I would love for you to come and deliver a speech. And all I need you to do is to deliver your ABCs. You wouldn't doubt your ability to deliver your ABCs because you've been practicing them since you were in kindergarten. You would doubt delivering something that you haven't practiced. And so, for example, in that scenario, if someone's like, oh, I'm doubting my ability to be able to speak, then maybe the solution to that is for you to practice what it is that you have to say and practice it to the level of you being able to know it in the same way that you know your ABCs. So then you pair the idea that, okay, I failed before and I didn't die. <laughs> and a few paces down the road, like this positive outcome came. And so if I fail again, there's very likely that that's going to happen. Then you accept the idea. Okay. I have this self doubt, but what is it that, what, what is it that I'm missing? That's causing me to doubt. Do I, am I lacking information? Am I lacking time to practice? Am I lacking insight? Am I lacking support? Like, what is it that I'm missing? And then what do I need to actually do to go out and, and get it? And what I find is that when you combine those two things of looking into the past to see that First of all, things generally work out, but then also looking into the future and saying, but these are the things that I can do to prepare myself. Combining those two things turns in sort of like this alchemy, if you will, and takes that self-doubt and turns it into you being able to have enough confidence to at least take the first step. And that willingness to take the first step allows the next step to unfold and the next step and the next step. Mm, for example. I like that. And it is, like you said, it's very simple, very basic. It's a great way to follow it. And that's a great uh, transition from going from self-doubt to confidence. So Stacey, the other thing that you have on your website is money mindset and self-mastery manuals. So mm -hmm. maybe let's unpack money mindset. What would be a golden nugget out of that manual? Yes. Um, oh, that's probably my favorite. Well, I can't, don't let me not say that. I love all the manuals that are on there. So, um, probably the, 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 the best nugget out of the money mindset is that, um, most of the, okay. First of all, okay. Let me, let me say it this way. What our money mindset is, is a set of beliefs and attitudes that we have about money. That's just a general premise, which most people just don't get that. It's just your beliefs and your attitudes. And when you shift those, everything shifts. But then inside of the money mindset, I talk about how there are only actually four types of money problems that you can have. And then everything else that you're associating with a money problem isn't actually a money problem. It's a something else problem that money is just serving as a distraction to being able to see. And that's probably the hardest thing for people to wrap their mind around. But what I found is that once people realize that there are only four types of money problems that you can actually have and solving those gives you the confidence to be able to face whatever it else it is that you're dealing with, life gets so much better and managing your money <laughs> gets so much better. That, that manual was like written out of like me going through my very own journey. But I would say that that's probably the 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 best nugget. And then there's another, okay, that's the first nugget I have to give you too. And then there's another nugget in there where I'm talking about how to earn money. Because I think that, you know, our beliefs and our attitude about earning money, we don't understand how dramatically it shapes the amount of money that we allow to come into our life. So there's a whole section in the money mindset manual where I talk about the three ways to earn money. And for a lot of the people who've picked up the manual, that's been really insightful as well. So between the four money problems that you can have and the three ways to earn more money, I would say that those are probably the best nuggets that come out of the manual. Mm, and of course, I'm going to ask the question really high <laughs> level. Uh, what are the four types like money problems? 
Okay, so the first money problem that you can have is an income problem. And this is just someone who deals and struggles with under earning. Um, they re repeatedly earn less than what they need, usually for no apparent reason. Um, and it's simply because they have a belief that tells them that earning more or earning more or this is just the standard that everyone earns. Um, an example when I'm working with coaching clients is oftentimes people don't realize that they stop earning at the cap of the max that one or both of their parents who had the biggest influence on them. So you can have an income problem where truly you just aren't earning enough. And if you're an under earner, you tend to live in financial chaos. You can have a money management problem. And this is somebody who completely overthinks money um, and they live in a financial fog. So this is someone they probably make enough money, but they over think every aspect of finances. Um, and this, this could be anywhere from savings to investing to budgeting. They just overthink it. And so because they overthink it, they're not suffering from not making enough. They're just suffering from not managing the money that they make very well. And this is what you'll see often with a lot of like six figure earners on the entrepreneurial side. It's like, they know they have money coming in and they know they're making a lot, but they can't figure out why they don't have a lot. And it's that financial fog that kind of comes because you have a money management problem. Um, then the third type of money problem that you can have is a spending money problem. And obviously, I mean, you just have a problem with spending. And what I like to say is that these are like fantasy earners. They live in a financial fantasy. And the financial fantasy is that, you know, this the money will take care of itself. You know, if I if I have to charge it, I'll figure it out later. They just sort of live in a financial fantasy where they often make a decent amount of money, but they overspend and they 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 can't help but to continue spending the money that's coming in. And then the last type of money problem that you can have is a savings money problem. And this is actually somebody who's a scarcity earner and they live in financial lack. So you would think somebody with a savings money problem doesn't make enough, but generally they make enough money. They kind of actually know how to manage their money, but because they live in sort of a space of scarcity, they actually don't know how to save money. And so they end up feeling like they don't have a lot of money because when life happens, as it does for all of us, they tend to not have anything reserved. Um, to be able to manage for it. But I found that those are the only four types of money problems that you can have. You either have an income problem, a management problem, a savings problem, or a spending problem. And if you can solve for those, you literally solve all your money problems. And then you just are left with facing all of the other problems that you have in life, which is that an interesting dynamic. That is really cool. I love it. And I, I just the other day, we were speaking to another uh, guest on the show, um, where she was saying that she finds that a lot of her clients um, are too afraid to stand in their light purely because they don't want to outshine their parents, which yep. kind of links into what you were saying about earning less because if you have this belief system, if you looked up to a certain parent uh, and they earn a certain amount of money, then you think mm -hmm. that you're only worthy of that amount of money. Yep, yep. And it's so embedded that like – some people like you don't even realize that you're doing it. So like, for example, with me, like the big money problem that I have is a management, a money management problem. So I'm totally fine earning money. I, you know, I save what I need to save. I probably could be a better saver. And, you know, I spend pretty reasonably. But as far as managing money, I had such a challenge with managing money. And I didn't realize that it was just deeply rooted in sort of like my financial blueprint and some childhood experiences that were wrapped around the way that my parents managed money. And I was very fearful of going above and beyond what they were willing to produce in the life that they gave for me for fear that it would actually be sort of this declaration that they didn't do good enough or, you know, I deserved more or something like that. And it's fascinating how until you really dig through it, you'll just continue to limit yourself. 
and you won't you won't achieve sort of the financial freedom that you really truly desire and it's 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 a fascinating thing because people you you know and especially right now just with the internet like you can often see what people are sort of doing financially with their money but it's fascinating how you'll find yourself going around and around in circles on um the money the money mm. stuff so so true. And it is very unconscious and deeply ingrained into us. If I have a look at my parents left, I'm from France. They left France and mm-hmm. came to Australia working really hard. So I see that my, my brother, sister and myself, we always work hard for our money and so mm-hmm. work smart for our money because that's how we grew up and that's how we saw our parents working really hard for their money. So it's not till you bring that to light. Are you able to then, you know, transform that belief system? Right. And here's the thing with the, the, the belief system of hard work for money, that, that was sort of a thing that was in me too. I had a full blown identity crisis when I realized I didn't have to work hard for money. And most people that I try to explain to them, because like in my company, you know, right now I'm, I work part time and I work probably max 25 hours a week and I make over 10 K net working part-time. And generally when I tell people that, first of all, they don't believe me. But then the next thing that they, they ask me is they're just like, you know, well, how did you do that? Like you, you have to work hard for money. And until I realized that holding on to the identity piece that I have to work hard for money, like until I actually released that, I wouldn't have been in position to allow the amount of money at the level in which it's coming to come into me now. And it was very, very hard because so long as I worked hard for money, I belonged to my family. But the minute I decided to say, well, you know, not even that I work smart for money, but, you know, I work, you know, I, I, the way that I make money is by offering value, like, and it doesn't have to be hard to offer value. I can have fun when I'm offering value. Like I make money through having fun, like trying to believe that (laughs) when I come from an incredibly hardworking family was so hard. But the minute I actually truly shifted my belief, it was when I was able to successfully transition into being somebody who has this very profitable company working part-time doing work that I completely love and adore. And so it's like sometimes we think we have great beliefs, like, you know, the idea of working hard for money feels like a great belief, but there's a cap on how much money you can make if you have to work hard for it, because it's limited to the amount of energy that you have. It's limited to the amount of stamina. It's limited to the amount of hours you have. The limitation is, well, how hard can you individually work? And when it comes to money, like I say, there should be no limit. Like we're making this up anyway. So I get a little passionate about money. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But you know, like we're making it up. Money is something that was made up by man. And because it was something that's made up by man, we literally get to manipulate it for our own good in the way that we want. But it's all, every limitation that we have around it will be limited to what it is that we believe. And if you move about life believing that you have to work hard for money, then you will be limited to the amount of effort that you can exert. And and again, for me, it was a total identity crisis because I'm like, if I don't work hard, do I even belong to my family? <laughs> and I realized, yes, you, you still belong to your family, but I had to kind of do the work in the manual to really figure that out. And that's how the transformation takes place, right? It's the deep work. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, uh, Stacey, Drew, you're uh, very good at earning money. You said in your manual that there was three ways to earn money. Would you like to unpack mm-hmm. those just high level, please? 
Yes. And then there's actually more ways to earn money, but I think the level, the, the person that I'm intending for the, the money mindset manual, these are like the easiest ways to earn money. So you can earn money trading your time for dollars. You can earn money trading your talent for dollars, and then you can earn money trading your value for dollars. And so inside of the manual, I explain how this breaks down and the, the, the quickest, easiest way to earn money. And the most common way is to trade time for dollars. But again, then you'll be limited to the 24 hours that are in the day. The next way is to trade talent for dollar and dollars, and that's where you see a lot of freelancers popping up, and and they may call themselves entrepreneurs, but when you're trading talent for dollars, you're still probably more in the freelance space as opposed to the entrepreneurial space. And then um, I go into talking about how you can trade value for dollars, and that's really when you move more into the entrepreneurial space and you have created a product or a service or some information that you're able to trade for the the money that you want to earn. Mm, I love that. I have not ever come across that. That's pretty cool. So Stacey, mm-hmm. what would be a piece of advice for our listeners that you would like to give them if they were to embark on a new career or a new life? What specifically would you like to um, say to them? Mm-hmm. I would say that you really need to get clear on your what and your why. So what do you want to be doing in your career? Like I made mention, you know, I knew I wanted to talk. That's why I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And when I found out that there was not much talking in lawyering, it, it freed me to be able to make a pivot towards something else. But a lot of times people just aren't clear with what they sort of want to be doing. Um, But I think that you have to get clear on what it is that you want to be doing and then why you want to do it. And Simon Sinek talks about the understanding your why and he talks about it from a corporate perspective. But I like to tell people you need to have a personal why as well, because the your why, like when you're clear on why you want to do what you want to do, then you can endure any how. And even when the how shows up and it's challenging, you can still get through it. So, for example, a lot of people will say, well, what I want to do is be an entrepreneur. And then when I say, well, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? A lot of it has, you know, some some people want to do it for vanity reasons. Some people want to do it because they really feel like they have a great idea that they want to bring to the marketplace. But and, and there is no wrong reason why you just have to like your why enough and it has to be solid enough that when you get on the path to being an entrepreneur, for example, and you hit an obstacle and you will, or you experience a failure and you will, that what you want to do and that why you want to do it is so clear that you continue to move forward. Mm. That's true. And I think sometimes we get it back to front. Some people seek the how before understanding the why. They might know the what initially, but then it's Mm -hmm. like, how is this going to come to life? How am I going to bring it to life? And and then they really really don't dig deep into the why. And the why is the unconscious driver. It's what makes us do what we do. It gives us purpose. If we don't have a why we do what we do, uh, that motivation will die very quickly. Yep. How will keep you stuck often? And especially for women who want to make the transition into entrepreneurship, like obviously there are some bits and pieces that you can figure out in terms of, okay, well, when will I exit from my company, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes you want to have such clarity on the how and the how is an unfolding of you doing the work of being an entrepreneur. So for example, I'm not for sure what your experience was when you were first, you know, starting this podcast, but I'm sure everything that you know now about podcasting is not what you knew when you first first started podcasting. And this would be all of the hows of what you're doing, but you knew what you wanted this podcast to be about and you knew why you wanted to do it. And so one day you opened up and you did what you knew what and why about. 
And over time, how to make this, you know, an excellent podcast, how to make this a podcast that's been viewed over so such and such. You were able to figure out how to do that. And you didn't get stuck trying to figure that out before you even just got out the, the purpose that was in you to produce this this glorious podcast. <laughs> Thank you. But you are so right. I didn't even think about the how. I knew yep. the what and I knew the why, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wanted uh, women to share their stories because I know that's how we inspire one another is with storytelling. Uh, and I didn't even think about the how. If I look back, mm-hmm. it's been three years now. There's no yep. way I would have thought it would be like this. Absolutely not. No, you're mm-hmm. right. Yep. So along your journey or your adventure, Stacey, what have um, – what would have been some of your greatest lessons that you have learned thus far? Mm-hmm. Um, probably the greatest lesson is that failure is the shortcut to success, which is really interesting. Um, in school, you know, we're taught not to fail. We're taught to succeed. We're taught whatever, do whatever it takes to get the A, like you will be rewarded for succeeding. But in the entrepreneurial space, you're actually rewarded for the effort and the tries that you put in. And it's such a scary thing when you've been conditioned throughout, uh, you know, just your early years to not fail. It's such a scary thing to actually fail on purpose. But I find that in entrepreneurship, the failures that I've had, those have been the shortcuts to my success. A lot of the failures that I experienced before the success of this company is the reason why this company is so successful. So that's the number one lesson is that if you want a shortcut to the success in your company, you got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to put yourself out there. Um, Another really big lesson is to work when I'm at work and then don't work when I'm not at work. And this comes from, again, a lesson that I learned in a failure that I had. But also, you know, I really wanted to be able to build a multimillion dollar company part time. Now, I'm not at multimillions just yet, but I wanted to build it part time. And I realized that if I wanted to keep part time hours, then I would need to make sure that when I'm at work, I'm working as opposed to doing all of these other things that I could be doing when I'm not at work. And so I'm very intentional about maximizing the hours when I'm at work, but also when I'm not at work, I really don't work. I really, I really allow there to be space and downtime between when I'm producing and when I'm just being a human being and living life. And that's been a really, really big lesson. I think that um, my work is more thorough and creative and impactful because I work when I'm at work and when I'm not at work, I really take it off and I'm able to get restored, which leads me into my third lesson that I learned. And that is that rest is a complete spiritual practice. I think that for me, and I tell people this often, that entrepreneurship is very, very spiritual. Like you're putting a piece of your heart out there. Typically when you're venturing into entrepreneurship, you're innovating on something that only you have a vision about. And that's a very spiritual undertaking to bring something that only exists in your mind and your heart and bring it to the marketplace and say, buy this. Um, It's a very spiritual thing for me. And What I learned from some of my past failures is that in terms of me honoring the spiritual aspect of entrepreneurship and just the spiritual aspect of my life is realizing that there's nothing that I can do to be more spiritual and that resting and allowing myself to take time off is actually a surrendering and it's actually a complete spiritual practice. Like so many people have other spiritual practices where, you know, that they, you know, they have prayer, or they have an altar, or they have this. And it's just like, there's so much doing in a lot of our spiritual practices that we don't leave room for being. And resting is sort of a way that I allow for that being to happen. Um, 
and it's a complete spiritual practice and it's probably been the most transformative in my business. Mm, I love that. And, you know, for our entrepreneurs, and I know I experienced myself, I experienced burnout, so I know mm-hmm. how important it is to have rest. But I've never looked at it as a spiritual practice, which I do absolutely love. And I find that it's it's one of those things you get caught in a trap. When you really love what you're doing, it feels like you're never working yes. a day in your life. And now I guess that's mm-hmm. a trap. Uh, you're constantly working. And I love that you're yeah. able to separate the two, which can be hard mm-hmm. too, when you, especially when you're starting out. It, it, it is very challenging and it is incredibly challenging when you love what you do. But what I like to liken it to is like when we're kiddos and like you're in school and when you're in school, they have a time for recess and they have a time for nap time and and they have all of these things. Or even if you're just raising a child like you, there's a time when you're like, OK, it's going to be a nap time for you and it's going to be a play time for you. And we think about, OK, we do that. But if you've been a parent before, you know, if your kid misses their nap, they're going to have a tantrum for most of the evening or, you know, if if the kid doesn't just get downtime to be able to play, that they're going to be restless and they're going to be irritated and they're going to be all these things. And there's all these things that we do when we first start life that once we become adults, we just stop doing. And then we wonder why as adults, we're so cranky. We wonder why as adults, we, we you know, we're so sick and we're so moody. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that we don't honor the, the, the process of life in, in the way that it showed up originally. And it's just like, resting, taking that time off, even if you love what you're doing. Like, I don't know how many of your listeners have kiddos, but like how many times has there been like a kid who's like working on something and they're so excited and, you know, they're doing it and, you know, it's time for them to just step away for a little bit and they kick and scream, but then they step away, they go take a nap and then they're able to come back to the thing with so much more energy and so much more excitement and so much more enthusiasm. And that's sort of like the flow that I've been able to get in with my work. Like, I mean, I love my work. And, but what I tell myself is like, you know, Stacey, if you stop doing this right now, when you come back to it, you're going to feel amazing because you're going to get brand new, fresh energy, fresh eyes, like fresh perspective to be able to add to this project. So I kind of just liken it to that, like what we did with the kiddos in the beginning where they were growing exponentially and learning rapidly and just so full of joy and happiness. If we sprinkle a little of that into our adulthood, we would have much more fulfilled, happy adults. Oh, you're speaking my language. I love it. I I, I actually was just speaking about it yesterday in a class that in France we have afternoon naps and mm-hmm. uh, everyone stops. We have lunch as a family and then we have an afternoon nap. And I think for me that was quite transformational in itself because it allowed me to rest. But then when mm-hmm. I did wake up, I actually was refreshed and I was able to sort of focus all over again. So um, I'm I'm right there with you. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, Stacey, yep. the other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration is pain points. We believe everyone's got pain points. What would be a pain point for you and mm-hmm. how do you work through your pain point and find a solution? Mm-hmm. So my greatest pain point right now is sort of working through my limiting beliefs around love and money. It's more on the personal side than it is on um, just the professional side for me. Professionally, things are going Uh, fairly well. But that's probably the greatest pain point is just the limiting beliefs around love and money because I am moving into a space where I'm so much more financially secure than I've ever been in my life. um, It's making me emotionally available in a way that I've never been before in my life. Um, And it's also freeing up a lot more time and giving me more options in terms of like interest and stuff like that. And so I'm just trying to work out the limiting beliefs that I have um, around that. So I don't necessarily have a 
a, a solution for that just yet outside of just being willing to be a gentle observer of my thoughts and my feelings as they're coming up. But I think in general, when I'm dealing with pain points, whether they're on the business or the personal side, the very first thing that I do is I just become a gentle observer of my thoughts. Um, thoughts are incredibly powerful thoughts change our life. Like if I, like in one of the reasons why I love my work is because it's all about words, right? And people are like, words are not that significant. I'm like, no, words are powerful because words when strung together, they become thoughts and what we think informs how we feel and how we feel informs how we act and how we act becomes the results in our life. And so anytime I'm dealing with a pain point, the first thing that I do is just gently observe my thoughts. And I try to figure out, okay, what am I thinking? Because if I can figure out what I'm thinking, I can figure out ultimately how I'm getting this result in my life and I can do something about it. Um, so I start being a gentle observer. And then after I'm a gentle observer, I then intentionally go about choosing the thoughts to produce the result that I want to have in my life. And so. Mm, I love that. And we can be so, I, I don't know about you, but I know that for me, I can be so, um, what's the word? So focused and so much in control in business. And mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not always that way. Sometimes you just got to surrender and yep. allow it to, like, I love the whole observer. I, I'm very big on observing my thoughts and observing what's going on around me. So being more conscious about what I'm creating rather than just being, yes. you know, caught up in these old programs that are playing over and over again and wondering why I'm still getting the same results. So I, exactly. I, I'm a big believer around that. But it, I think surrender for me this year was about just let go and surrender and trust that yep. – um, it will show up and it will happen mm -hmm. exactly the way it's meant to. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a very challenging thing, but it's yeah. totally worth it. Absolutely. So the other thing, Stacey, that we always love to uh, unpack is, and I'm sure it's everywhere, that you hear that people like you to survive the first 12 months in business. So what do you think is a reason, and this is for our entrepreneurs out there and people in business, mm -hmm. uh, what would be a reason for these people to fail to succeed? Maybe one or two or three, whatever mm -hmm. reasons you can uh, share um, with us. Yeah, I would say the biggest reason that people fail to succeed in entrepreneurship is th their relationships, like the relationships that they have around them. Um, a lot of people, entrepreneurship is a, but like a sometimes it's it's there's isolation that's built into it. There's like alone time that's built into it. And so what happens is, is because it's your idea, because it's your vision, because it's your thing, you are running around trying to implement it by yourself. And there's a part of the entrepreneurial journey where that is completely and totally necessary. But there's also a part of the entrepreneurial journey where you will need relationships, whether it's a mentor, it's a coach, it's a friend, it's a, you know, an industry peer where you will need those relationships to actually get the thing off the ground that you're trying to do. Even if you're building a relationship with the community, you'll need relationships in order to be able to actually succeed at the level that you're dreaming about. But I find that most entrepreneurs reach for the right relationships after they've experienced all the other failures of trying to do it by themselves. And it's just like, if I could offer a piece of advice, I would definitely say reach for the right relationships at the onset of you taking the leap into entrepreneurship. Mm, so true. And I think that for those people that are introverts, and I know one like me, mm -hmm. so I'm very much an yep. introvert, um, mm -hmm. I love being around people, but I don't go out of my way to network or anything like that. But I love the fact that you were talking about uh, it could be a, as simple as building a community, having a mentor or a coach or something mm -hmm. like that actually to get through those roadblocks. 
Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, Stacey, if we were to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> um, I would tell myself that everything is going to be okay. I am a reformed control freak. I used to be a crazy control freak. Um, and then life happened and I got really, really sick and I experienced nervous exhaustion at the top of 2017 and everything sort of shifted. Um, I got so sick. I was depressed. I was very anxious. Two businesses failed financially. I just financially collapsed. It was absolutely terrible. So that happened in 2017. But everything leading up to that financial, emotional, psychological collapse was the result of me trying to control everything. And I wanted to control everything because I, I, I wanted to control everything and I wanted to do everything right. And I had this idea in my mind that if I could do everything right and if I could control everything, that everything would be okay and I I would be fine and I would make it. And it turns out that that was not correct. Like being the super control freak perfectionist type person was not going to get me to where I needed to be. So I would definitely tell myself to relax because everything is going to be okay and everything is going to work out exactly as it should. And then um, I would also tell myself to decide who I'm going to be and then be that. Because I think the other thing that sort of happened as well, because I was this person who was always managing the and, um, there was a lot of me having my hands or my feet in different parts of different things. And it made for a little bit of a fractured identity. And I think if I just would have decided, you know, you're just going to be a multimillionaire person who does this by building your business part time and serving people through words. If I just would have decided that early on and just believed in that, I think it would have, um, definitely freed me from some of the challenges that I experienced, especially at the top of 2017, but just throughout my life in general. It was just, it's very, very hard when you're vacillating between, am I going to be this? Am I going to be this? It's just like, most of us know who we want to be. It's just very scary to be who you really are. And so I would definitely tell myself, just be who you really are, decide and just be that. Mm, So, I mean, 2017 is not that long ago. How did you (laughs) transform where you are today in two years? That's amazing. Um, I think I, it was a combination of things. So the, okay. So 2017 is when I experienced it. And so that full year, I didn't work for a full year and in me not working for a full year in part, I just, I literally couldn't because of the depression and the anxiety and the PTSD, but also, so there was a part of me that was just healing and dealing with that and, and working with a therapist, but also there was a lot of rest that I actually got to experience during, during that year. Um, and then when I finally got to the point where I was healthy enough to just sort of think through things and make my decisions and really take stock of where I was, I made a decision that, um, I, first I kind of, I got like, I was sort of, I was sick. And then as I was coming out of it, I was just like, okay, well, who you thought you were can't, you can't be that person anymore because that person is killing you. And you have to figure out what parts of that is really who you are and what parts of that was just stuff you were doing because you were a crazy control freak. And again, because I wasn't working, I had time to sort of self-reflect, do the inventory and therapy helped a lot. Um, And so as I was sort of getting back up out of that situation, I thought to myself, I said, okay, Stacey, 
if you can do one thing to support yourself and sort of solve this mess of a life that you've made and this chaos that you've created, what would what would be the one thing that you would do if you could do it all over again or you could do one thing that you think would shift things? And literally the thing that I got back up with was to restore my financial dignity. I was just like, finances are a driving force for me and they were causing me to make really, really piss poor decisions. Nothing where I was like, you know, doing anything illegal, but just, I was just making choices that were the, to the detriment of my health and to the detriment of my values. And so I was just like, okay, you need to figure out a way to restore yourself financially so that that way you can have some locus of control over your circumstances, but also so you can pick yourself back up out of this situation. And so with me deciding to restore my dignity, my financial dignity, um, I said, you know, I know, I know how to earn money. That's not my issue, but my issue is managing money and I need to figure out how to manage my money better. And since my companies are closed, I don't have a job. I'm starting all over, you know, but I love to talk and I love to serve and I love to help people. Um, let me document my journey out loud for myself so that I can hold myself accountable to this choice. Because at the time, even though I could have made any choice, like start back up your company, I just, I really was not from a confidence and a health perspective in a position to be able to go back to anything that I was doing entrepreneurially. And so I made the decision to document my financial journey on YouTube and to document my real numbers. And it kind of turned into a thing, but it was only, I really only did it on YouTube because I was just like, I need to talk. I need accountability and I need to restore my financial dignity. Those are sort of the things that were in my mind. But then me talking through the process, I began to heal more rapidly um, because I was expressing all of the fears and concerns and shame and all that stuff that I sort of had on the inside financially that was driving a lot of piss poor behaviors. And as I started to share, it started to serve people. And in it's serving people, um, I started to get fulfillment from that. And then as I started to get fulfillment from that, I slowly but surely just started to build back up. Um, when I finally did start working, I went to work at a cafe part time and, you know, I served lattes for I think it was maybe about 10 months until I was ready to transition back into doing my company. And when I transitioned back into doing my company, I did it with the resolve that I was going to build a company that supported me being the woman that I actually really wanted to be. And I, I think, I mean, I think that that's, that's, that, yeah, that, I would say that that's sort of how it happened. It was one decision to restore my financial dignity that sort of turned into this snowball of me being able to reestablish and rebuild something that really to this day kind of blows mm -hmm. my mind. That's amazing. So you obviously went through the, I always call that the dark night of the soul when something you know yes. puts you to your knees to yep. then come back and you've done it in such a great yep. way by transforming and starting fresh uh, the yep. way that you did. You did you did it for more of a motivational side from like mm -hmm. the accountability piece. What a way to keep mm -hmm. you accountable by actually doing this yeah. whole YouTube's um, videos, which is absolutely amazing. Love yeah. it. So Stacey, as we are wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Transparent. Mm, I can see that, absolutely. And yeah. the other thing that we love to ask is um, to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would tell your audience to do a daily gratitude walk. 
And essentially, it's just you taking out a few minutes each day to walk and then express what you're grateful for. And I have an example of me doing that every morning on Instagram. I actually sort of record a portion of my gratitude walk and I literally just walk and I say, I'm so happy and grateful for. And then I list the things. So I would definitely encourage your audience to do a daily gratitude walk. And it's it's so powerful. It's such a powerful practice. We t- People understand the value of gratitude, but when you combine it with physically moving your body, it's sort of next levels the results that you're able to produce in your life. So I would definitely say that daily gratitude walk. I would also say to choose your thoughts. And that again is because our thoughts inform our feelings and our feelings inform our actions and our actions become the results in our life. And if you ever want to know what you're thinking, all you have to do is look at the results in your life. Every single result that you have in your life, whether it's relationships, money, career, it is the result of a thought that you have been thinking. And that thought turned into a feeling and that feeling turned into specific action. So I would encourage your listeners to choose your thoughts. And then last but certainly not least, I would say change your language. Once you've chosen your thoughts and you're doing that daily gratitude, change your language. Um, Language is so powerful and the spoken word is incredibly powerful. As for example, with me just choosing to speak about my financial situation, um, it totally transformed where I'm at financially now, because I was willing to speak about my finances in a completely different way. Um, And the same thing for me mentally, like, you know, me being able to recover from nervous exhaustion, a lot of that had to do with me speaking in therapy and me changing my language around things that I felt were a part of my past and things that I thought were going to be a part of my future. So I would highly, highly encourage you to change your language around what it is and how you speak over your life. Mm, love it. Stacey, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Um, I'm all over the internet at Stacy Flowers. So if you want to see me daily, Instagram's the best place. I have a morning show. It's Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. It's the Stacy Flowers morning show. We dive into self-development topics. If you are interested in my financial journey, I have been documenting it. Um, and this month will actually be the two year anniversary of me documenting my entire financial journey. And it started when I was working part time at the cafe, making $800 a month to now working part time for my own company, making an average of $10,000 a month. So if you're interested more in the financial side of things, come find me over on YouTube. And then if you want more of a deep dive into Um, some of the things that come up, you know, in therapy and books that I would recommend, you can find me in my podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. But again, it's Stacey Flowers everywhere, all over the internet. Oh, Stacey, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, for your time, your energy and sharing your story and your wealth of wisdom. It's been amazing. Thank you so, so very much for your time. You you are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at 
www.thepodcastmaker.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.